Hello everyone, welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum, where you will hear about car news, car culture, and car talks. Here's your host, Cody Wagner. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. I want to get something straight. There is no snow. Yes, I know, we haven't had a white Christmas yet. Which, uh, that brings me on to my next point. Considering there was people last year complaining that we didn't have a white Christmas, I'm kind of curious if that's going to happen this year, depending if we don't get snow till maybe January, maybe late January, mid-January, or we don't get anyone else, even if we don't get a white a white Christmas very soon. I'm still kind of curious because it's been, it's actually been relatively warm for the most part. I mean, cold nights, yeah, and rel- relatively chilly mornings but the rest of the day is nice nice not quite cali but still can't complain too much because i don't care about the snow that much i mean there are gonna be gonna be people who are like i want to go to i want to sled veil pass or whatever skiing resort and i wanted to build a snowman and make snow angels and snow drift and whatever and quite honestly this allows you to enjoy the warm weather a, a little bit more you know go to your local rec center in a pool before it's too cold for that and enjoy the hot weather before it's going to be months and months of uh, terrible cold. Not sickness, just terrible freezing temperatures. And Hauser Bush hedges its bets and orders 40 Tesla semi tri Oh, good grief. Yeah, we're going to have a power shortage. Nice. These are the tunnels Elon Musk wants to build in the U.S. Somewhere, probably mostly, or at the very least, they're going to start in Cali, I'm sure. Alpine reportedly planning a more hardcore version of the A110, and I hope that they call it the A110X, because that sounds cool, as much as it sounds, even though it sounds a little bit like a liquor, to be honest. You know, the kind of store- Alpine, if you're listening, A110X, sounds awesome, and you know, make it worthy of the name, so it's not a all bark and no bite. Speaking of liquor, Morgan partners with Freddy Beer for a new Pilsner, Pilsner, swear, I've seen, I've heard that word before, but I can't remember how it's supposed to be pronounced now. Either way, so when you go to your Morgan meets, don't be surprised if Friday Beer is there catering to you. Maserati could be the next automaker to enter Formula E, and this isn't a waste of Maserati's time, because if you think about it, while I wouldn't say FCA has a hybrid initiative, they do have the Pacifica hybrid. We're getting a Wrangler Fev, a that slash a Wrangler hybrid, a Ram 1500 hybrid slash Fev, and then we're supposed, and then the Maserati Levante is is supposed to be getting the hybrid tech from the Pacifica. So then you go to Formula E. I mean, oh wait, Formula E is electric. Well, no, it still works. It's not hybrid technology, but what it is is electricity and mild hybrids. Or hybrids do have electricity slash batteries in them, so it would still be good experience for FCA, and it'd be racing exposure for Maserati, something they haven't had for what I am pretty sure is a good eight years now. Eight. Eight years without good racing exposure, as far as I know. Think twice before pairing your smartphone to a rental's infotainment system. I don't know the reasoning of the article. Don't really care to look at it either, because I have my own story of why you shouldn't. A little while ago, our uncle came, and he had a rental Hyundai Elantra GT. Not a new one, the old one. And one day, we were out and about, and he pressed a button on the steering wheel that went to the Bluetooth menu, or the phone menu, whatever you want to call it. And someone had their phone already paired to it. You say, oh, well, it must have been... No, I can only tell you this because the phone was still linked. The phone was still linked. We could have prank called it. We didn't. But seriously, if you're... Okay, if you're going to get a rental car, do not pair your phone to the Bluetooth if the car even has it. 
you're only going to have the car for a week, maybe two. You do not need to have the Bluetooth in for a week or two. It's just not necessary. If you have to take a call, well, actually, because that, that aligns with the driving test stuff that I've looked at, you know, pull over or go to a parking lot, or if you're going to ignore that, just take the call. Just take the call. You don't need the Bluetooth. It's not necessary. And you're bound to forget. You are bound to forget by the time you have to take your rental car back to the agency. You're going to forget to unsync your phone if you can even do that, which I'm, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to, but either way, you're going to forget. So you're going to give some some other person, when they get that car, the opportunity to prank them. See, here's the, here's the moral of the story. Or, no, sorry, here's the lesson in the story. Don't sync your phone to the Bluetooth system. So that you don't give other people the opportunity to prank call you from some road in Montana and give them the chance to talk to you about a raccoon that they just rolled over on a dark, terribly lit road somewhere in Montana or Idaho or wherever. Don't give them the chance to do that. Don't sync your phone to the infotainment system. Not there's why? Why do people do that? You do. There's no reason you could need to sync your phone so badly to a rental car. That you absolutely have to... That's the first thing you do when you get it. There's no reason. No reason. Don't do it so that you don't forget to do it. So that, when you, know, when you take the car back, so that when you're, on, when you're on the road or in your house in Cali, in you know, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, wherever, you don't give someone the chance to call you about a deer head with blood on the grill of a truck that they just saw somewhere on the back roads of Texas or Kansas. Don't give them that opportunity to prank call you like that. Don't sync your phone. Switching gears, pun intended. Fairly big news, actually. See, we all know that McLaren's been working on a a car, a little car known as the P15. The P15 is... No one really knew what it was. You know, was it supposed to be the P1 successor? It's not. Was it the three-seater car? It's not. It was... We knew a few things, but it was always sort of shrouded in mystery. It was, there, a lot of things wasn't really known about it. We never really saw, as far as I know, any testing vehicles roaming around the hills of northern Britain or any place, Monte Carlo, Monaco, we never saw anything. And now, it's finally here. McLaren has also dubbed it with a good, well, with a name. How good it is is up to you. They've called it the Senna, and it's as near as makes no difference in 800 horsepower street legal hypercar for the track that might as well be more hardcore than the P1. It's got, once again, 800 horsepower, well, 798, but close enough, and 600, no, sorry, 590 pound-feet of torque, with a top speed that is in, which it'd be impossible for it not to have a top speed of over 200 miles an hour. This is probably McLaren's craziest car yet, because it has a wing that's been ripped off a Can-Am car, specifically the Chaparral 2E. I love it. It's a too far. It's too far up from the front, from the rear of the car. But either way, I think it looks pretty good. It's insane. It's bonkers, and it's probably the fastest thing to come out of McLaren yet. No, it doesn't seem to have a hybrid powertrain. What it does have is a four-liter twin-turbo V8. Not bad, considering it doesn't have hybrid powertrain. What's even more impressive is its power. Is not only that, but because it doesn't have the the hybrid system, it weighs 2,641 pounds, allegedly, which is even more impressive. Add to the impressiveness that it is 485 pounds less than the 720S, and you have the making for one of the most serious track-focused hypercars that we've seen to date. 
outside of the McLaren, of the Aston Martin Valkyrie and the Mercedes Project One, mind you. I like it. I'm not sure if I love it yet. I do. I'm not a fan of the front overhang. It's too un- unbalanced, especially when you look at the rear overhang, which is really rather small. It's kind of squashed in comparison to the front of the Senna. What it does have is a door window, much like that of the new Wrangler and the Wrangler that came before that, I think the TJ. It has Subaru SVX-style windows, except on this car, you can trade those in or take the windows out and instead replace it with carbon fiber panels so that when you see the person on the track screaming profanities at you because you're ruining their lap time, you won't have to. And of course, visibility is overrated anyway. This is the most insane McLaren that we've seen probably since the P1. Arguably, maybe even since the 720S, even though it hasn't been that long. It's got three tailpipes that come out of the top rear of the car, not the roof, but all the same. It's a mad car, this. It's... The 4GT seems to pale in comparison. The 4GT might be the more beautiful of the car, depending on who you ask, but this is definitely, definitely going to be the faster of the two. We're getting into the age, a lot of us would have said, with the 918, the P1, and the LaFerrari, that we're getting into the age of hybrid hypercars, and you could obviously see why. They were ridiculously fast for the time. Now we're seeing supercars and very much hypercars that are just as fast as the cars of yore. Not not that much your either. It's insane how much we've already progressed. The GT, the Porsche 911, GT2 RS, even with the Nürburgring being faster, even though it's supposed to be, you know, safer, ironically, it would still be faster than a 918. That's undisputed. We all know it would still be faster. So how do you, where, how do you distinguish these cars anymore? When you have stuff like the new Corvette ZR1 and the Porsche 911 GT2 RS that are very much hypercar fast, where where does the distinction come in? How do you separate supercars with hypercar speed from proper hypercars like the Senna? Where's where's the gap? Where's the difference? I think it's probably a simple answer, and it boils boils down to this: hypercars is like hyper, you know, take like the LaFerrari. That's the ultimate Ferrari. Or the 918, that's the ultimate Porsche, unless you ask Porsche enthusiasts, which <clears throat> it's always going to be the 911 for them. Or the McLaren P1, and or now the Senna, that's the ultimate McLaren. Whereas the 911 GT2 RS is the ultimate 911. The Corvette ZR1 is the ultimate Corvette. It's not the it's not the ultimate of all of what the brand has accomplished. You know, when you look at the Senna, the 918, the LaFerrari, the Valkyrie, the Project 1, you get a feeling that that is the absolute fastest that they know how to make a car. That there's no possible way to make that those vehicles any faster than they've purposely designed them to be. How do you make ultimate speed faster? It's the ultimate. How do you go beyond that? And that's the point. These cars are the antithesis of what the brand is about. They are the epitome of what, what it is to be insert brand here. The Senna is what it means to be McLaren. The Project 1 is what it means to be Mercedes. That's what a hypercar is. A hypercar is the ultimate car. It's what all the other cars strive to be. They may be the best of their car, like an A-class AMG. Oh, well, this is the ultimate A-class, but it's not the ultimate Mercedes. And that is how you, that's where the Senna and stuff like the 720S distinguish. You see, you look at the 720S and you're like, okay, well, that's great, but they could probably make something faster. 
bam, a few, you know, about a month later, here we have the Senna. And now you don't think they can make anything faster. The Senna is as fast as you think McLaren can make a car. It's as fast as McLaren knows how to make a car while it's still being street legal. That, my friends, is the difference between a supercar and a hypercar. Hypercars are the absolute ultimate. And what's what's funny is that, as I said earlier, people would have thought just a few years ago that, oh, well, now we're going to see more hybrid hypercars. And we have a fair few of them now. I think the Valkyrie and definitely the Project 1. But we're starting to see, I think, with the Senna and definitely the 911 GT2 RS and the Corvette ZR1, hypercars that are definitely more traffic, that are more of the sort of traditional, that take the more traditional route of making a car fast. Outside of the active aero, it's add power, add lightness, and downforce. Simple as that. An active aero sort of ties into the downforce thing. But it's interesting because this, like I said, only has a 4-liter twin-turbo V8 with very nearly 800 horsepower. It doesn't have as much power as the P1. But then again, it doesn't need to. It's a lot lighter than the P1. It doesn't need the same kind of hybrid boost to be just as fast and that's why that's what i find intriguing about a lot of these modern supercars and even the hypercars because the 911 gt2 rs the corvette zero and even very much the viper acr they didn't go with the hybrid route you know you want to know what they did add lightness add well not in the viper's case but add lightness add power except the acr add downforce add you know just add grip simple as that a lot of grip and that's what they did. It's a simple recipe, but they've also done it really cleverly with the Active Arrow, <clears throat> except for the ACR, even though what the ACR has accomplished is insane considering it doesn't have any of those things, and it's genuinely fast. Anyway, I'm surprised that McLaren's gone the way that they did with the Senna, because you you might have expected them to go, you know, a more P1-ish route with the hybrid system, but no, they've gone a more traditional racing style route as Porsche did with the 911 GT2 RS, as Chevrolet did with the Corvette ZR1. It's almost like what we're seeing, even in just two or three years' time, is the difference is the difference in where automakers are, are going with performance, even just for a few vehicles. I, I think that the 918, the next 918, the next LaFerrari, and the next P1 will be hybrid powertrain, but they may scale back a little bit. Who knows? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll go even more attentive, but at the very least, they're definitely going to try and reduce weight. Even though McLaren definitely has the means to do it. They definitely have the know-how now to do it. If they built a new P1 without any update, just building the chassis with lighter, you know, with lighter, we'll say techniques, using clever techniques to reduce weight, it'd probably still be lighter than the out than the formerly outgoing P1. Either way, it's interesting that we're getting more properly track-focused hypercars now, rather than hypercars with a sort of environmental streak. The LaFerrari, nah, that was le- that was lesser so, but the 918 and the P1, definitely. They had a little foot in the environmental grave, and not to say that environmentalism is going to die, but more so, they had a small, you know, they had an environmental root in their, no, they had an environmental vein in their roots. These modern cars, though, don't. The Senna, nah, all out speed. 911 GT2 RS, no. Corvette ZR1, definitely not with its giant V8 and huge supercharger, apparently. We seem to have changed. If if ever so briefly, if only for a few exceptions, we seem to have changed the way that we're making these hypercars and sports cars because, or sorry, hypercars and supercars, because let's face it, you have the BMW i8 too, and now you have that Tesla Rosa, which may or may not be a supercar that has yet to be seen, but... You know, even the next Aventador, the next Huracan, those were supposed to get hybrid powertrains, and then you have things like the Senna spitting in the face 
of hybridism. Seemingly. Seemingly spitting in the face of hybridism. So what happens? Is it a way for a few special models like the Senna? Maybe so. Oh, also, uh, I forgot to mention, the Senna has a roof scoop. A roof scoop! That's awesome! If kinda not ricey, but, well, yeah, maybe. Actually, no, with the way that it looks, no. Looks brilliant. Perfect. Small rant aside or ramble about where supercars and hypercars seem to be going, the direction that automakers seem to be taking them in, because it seems to be slightly different from what we've been told they'd be going to. Let's have a word from our sponsors. Car books, car shows, car merchandise, car games, and even a car podcast, that's who I am. Do you realize when you're doing the things you love, it's not work? I'm Cody Wagner, host of Cody's Car Conundrum, and my passion is absolutely everything cars. My purpose in creating Cody's Car Conundrum is to be a resource for all things cars, from games to product development, product reviews, and even writing new automotive books and articles. With my mom's help, I've created a GoFundMe campaign to help me upgrade my computer equipment and Xbox and even my podcasting equipment too. I also have created t-shirts and I'm looking to market those as well as my books. Visit my campaign at www.gofundme.com forward slash Cody's Car Conundrum. Help me show teenage entrepreneurs you can follow your passion and people will help you move to the next level. Thank you for any donation, big or small. Once again, go to www.gofundme.com forward slash Cody's Car Conundrum. We are back. Small Ramp aside, Land Rover's SVO division allegedly considering a two-door Range Rover. Oh, they're, oh, they're considering. Oh, I thought they considered and dro- Oh, wow. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'd be a big fan. I mean, it'd probably look cool, but I don't really see the point. Um, it'd probably be like the Range Rover Evoque two-door, just a lot bigger. London's Black Cab goes all 21st century on us with Fev Model. The 2018 Dacia Duster is apparently not afraid of ghosts in this ad that we're not going to watch. Nev's to produce, or NBS, I guess, to produce electric 9.3 Informer Saab factory in Sweden from 2018. That's right, the ghost of Saab still haunts us to this day. Mahindra to launch three more EVs in India by 2020. Dubai police has probably set its eyes on the, not going to say it because I haven't gotten to it yet. Oregon admits to infringing rights of engineer investigating traffic lights. Toyota says lack of all-wheel drive is hurting CHR sales. And I wouldn't be surprised. Let's be real. If you're gonna buy a CUV like that, you'd hope that you'd that they that the automaker would at least offer all-wheel drive because that's one of the main perks. Yes, you can get a car with all-wheel drive, but lower ride height, easier to get stuck in the snow. If you drive it gingerly, that is, if you go all rally car on everyone and just plow your car through a snowbank, you you uh, you may be okay. Either way. Yeah, not offering all-wheel drive, not their smartest move. 2019 Toyota Avalon teases bolder design ahead of Detroit debut. Updated Alfa Romeo 4C is supposedly coming next year. I wouldn't hold my breath. Volkswagen will make the 306-horsepower T-Roc R hot SUV the most agile SUV in its class. Probably more like CUV, but... Analyst claims it costs over $2,000 a year to service a Tesla. With some of the less reliable cars on the market, it probably costs about that, if not more, to service a regular car. And for the reliable cars, then, that's... It's probably around that, if not less. So that's... I don't see how that's... How 2000 a year for a Tesla is high. Limited Nissan Leaf 2.0 launch edition for £339 per month in the UK, which I want to say it would probably be about 700 bucks a month. Maybe more like six 
500, 580, somewhere between 500 and 600 dollars is what it would be per month. BBR launches 210 horsepower turbo kit for base 1.5 liter Mazda MX-5. Updated Kia Ray teased before launch later this month, and it's probably going to be a J J Japan-only affair. So let's see what's so bad about this Tesla service cost. Okay, so it costs more than 2000 a year to maintain a Tesla Model S or Model X. The article itself and the met methodology used to compare to that figure is extremely convoluted, but we'll summarize it briefly. What the writer has done is note the maintenance service revenue disclosed by the electric automaker, the number of Tesla vehicles delivered in each quarter, quarter, and estimated how many months a Tesla vehicle typically spends being driven around. In 2016, for example, Tesla reported just over $178 million in maintenance service revenue, equating to roughly $107 revenue per car per month. The writer then analyzed the gross cost of Tesla's car servicing business throughout 2017, calculating an approximate monthly service bill of over 164 Tesla. As intriguing as the math is, it's worth noting that the website responsible for these figures is catered towards in investors and far from unbiased. Oh, good grief. Then why, then why bother? By the way, though, uh, if it's like 6000 a year, then that's, yeah, then I can see what they're on about. But if it's just that, I don't see what the problem is because just, to me, in regular proper car care, you're probably doing about that in a year, if not, you know, slightly more. Who knew? 60% of Porsche Panamera buyers are going for the hybrid. Nice. Renault builds Symbio's prototype, says it's the future of mobility. Mazda MX-5 Z Sport Limited Edition coming to the UK from £25,595. Probably $28,000 in the US. $28,000 that is. 2018 Volkswagen Golf Sports Van arrives in the UK with new face and features. China-only Jeep Grand Commander, that K8, the Jeep K8 prototype thing. Yeah, it's called the Grand Commander now. And supposedly it's surfaced in design sketches from patent. Patent? No, from some site. Bugatti Chiron hit with worldwide recall. That's right, it can happen to anyone. Everyone knows that it can happen to everyone. Honda teams up with billion-dollar Chinese startup SenseTime. Oh, good grief. That, to me, sense time sounds like a power-up for a time, like a time-powered superhero. So he can sense what time it is and what time it'll be. And, you know, when things happen because of a certain time, like, oh, at 6.30, you're going to fall off your bike or so something like that. Sense time just sounds like a power, but a power to me. And it sounds like a literal one at that. Waymo self-driving engineer says humans aren't meant to drive. <sighs> I want to say that that's kind of like saying... That humans aren't meant to play golf, or ride a bike, or play outside, or... or well, I said, play, the play outside one's less less of a good example, because vitamin D, but, yeah. Or that's like saying humans aren't meant to type. Good grief. Now, I will say, a lot of humans shouldn't drive. A lot of humans shouldn't drive. But that doesn't mean we're not meant to, You know, what are we meant to do anyway? You know, in the grand scheme of things, what are humans meant to do? What are humans meant for? Answer me that. Because if you can't answer that, you can't tell me humans aren't meant to drive. Humans can do a lot of things. But what we're meant for is something no one knows. So to me, saying humans aren't meant to drive is a rather bold statement, considering we can't figure out, you know, supposedly we can't figure out what our purpose for, you know, what our purpose for being on this planet is. But hey, that's just me. If you know what, you know, what the purpose of human life, you know, of human life is, then do please leave a very big comment or tweet at me and a bunch of replies. I'll read them. You know, at Cody, uh, Cody's Car Conundrum, or is it Cody Car Conundrum for Twitter? Because 
names can't be so long. But yeah. Oh, humans aren't meant to drive. Then what are humans meant for in the grand scheme of the, you know, what are you humans meant for on Earth? Tell me that. And, and that might sound really pessimistic, but I'm just saying, if you're gonna say that, go further. Otherwise, you can't say humans aren't meant to drive. That's just a... It sounds like he was paid to say that to get people to buy into the hype of autonomous, uh, uh, of autonomy. Anyway, Tesla could be causing a global battery shortage. And, quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and it's a certain type of batteries, uh, cylindrical-style batteries, I believe the article said. Uh, yeah, once again, wouldn't be surprised. Especially with their gigafactory out in Silicon, near Silicon Valley. BMW's new strategy, M all the things, 26 models reportedly coming by 2021. Which is insane! Utterly insane. New Chevrolet Silverado and GMC Sierra supposed to be getting, or to offer, carbon fiber beds. That's really intriguing to me. Wonder how, th how that's gonna go for them. GM and HSV announced Camaro SS and Silverado HD heading to Australia next year. Honda's adorable 3E robotics concepts heading to CES in 2018. Renault, Nissan, and Mercedes unveiled new 1.3-liter turbo petrol engine. And before I run out of time, because I, uh, ranted like a, uh, ranted like an old person ranting to kids about what's wrong with modern society. Um, so let's get onto this and the Chiron recall before I run out of time. We all know the Lamborghini Urus has been hinted at, leaked a few times. A lot has gone on in the Urus's world. Which, by the way, terrible name, Lamborghini. Fix it. That aside, uh, a lot of buzz, a lot of news, just anything you could imagine, a lot of things you could imagine, has been going on with the Urus. And anything you can find, or a lot of things you can find, are Urus related. It's no secret. It was hard to keep this thing on the wraps, and it's an even less of a secret that it didn't have an easy life, I think. From, from what I remember, old news stories, you know, it may or may not come, but it's definitely here now. The Lamborghini Urus with 641 horsepower to play with. According to a Lamborghini, the Urus's 4-liter twin-turbo V8 will have to fit perfectly alongside the Aventador and Huracan. And based on sheer numbers alone, it's easy to understand why. With 627 pound-feet of torque to add onto the horsepower number, the Urus is able to hit 0 to 60 in 3.6 seconds and 124 miles per hour in 12.8. With a top speed of 190, this definitely begs for your attention. Supposedly, a hybrid option is also going to be coming sooner rather than later. Although, not quite soon, but it'll be coming. The power will, of course, hit all four wheels with the help of an electro of an electro-hydraulically controlled 8-speed automatic transmission while a torque converter goes on to boost the twin-turbo V8's response. The torque split on the four-wheel drive system is 40-60 in favor of rear-wheel drive, with a maximum of 70% of the torque reaching the front wheels on demand or as much as 87 going to the rear. Interestingly, the Urus has borrowed the Aventador S's rear-wheel drive steering system set to utilize counter-phase steering at low speed and in high phase, sorry, and in and in-phase steering at high speed, the former aiding maneuverability and the latter stability. Also, in order to achieve a performance-oriented center of gravity, Lamborghini mounted the Urus's twin turbocharged engine low, while also placing the central super turbocharger near the combustion chambers, thus enhancing engine response. Though to be fair, they probably could have made the engine lower even still had they not gone with uh, twin turbos. Once you get the Urus moving, you can choose between six drive modes, Strata, Sport, Corsa, 
Nevi, Snow, Terra, Offroad, and Sav, Sabia, which is Sav, plus a custom mode called e Ego, which isn't that, I believe the Ego mode is in the Lamborghini Aventador S2. Not S2, but it's also in that Lamborghini. Supposedly, it also weighs 4,850 pounds, which is fairly impressive. So yeah, the Lamborghini Urus. It'll start from 200,000 in the U.S., which is very, very painful. And the first deliveries will start in the spring of 2018. This is the car that's been leaked, been on, I think, a few automotive covers through renders and stuff. The concept drawn a lot of buzz. It's finally here. This is the car we've been anticipating. And a lot of people aren't a big fan of the looks. And compared to the concept, I can see why. I don't mind the rear, and I don't mind the side, but the front end is way, way too busy for its own good. And the headlights aren't as cool. And the interior is not bad. I'm, I don't know if I like the shape of the air vents, which is a very minor detail, admittedly. That's very nitpicky. Uh, the, re uh, um, the rest of it is very Lamborghini-ish. Lamborghini-ish. So I'm not too fussed. But this is the car we've been waiting for. Well, <laughs> This is the truck, the SUV, the super SUV, which they're calling it the SSUV, the super sport SUV, I, I suppose. So yeah, the Lamborghini Urus, the car that started it all, the SUV that started this truck, and not really, but yeah, I'd say that this is sort of like the genesis of all the modern bandwagoning of like really fast SUVs like this. No, this is... The Urus is the genesis of the of starting the trend of all the brands that don't have SUVs that should make SUVs that now have. Even though Bentley has made one before. But Maserati, which, hey, turned out nice. Alfa Romeo, turned out nice. BMW with their new X8 thing, the, the giant 7-seater. Eh, probably not, even though they have made the X5 and the X6 and then the X3 and then the upcoming X2. And then you have Ferrari, which probably shouldn't, but that's to go directly with that. Anyway, unfortunately, we ran out of time. I'll get to the Bugatti Chiron in the next one. Here's a word from our sponsors. Moms and dads, are you looking for Steam and STEM games, websites, and even clothing for your daughter? Is she showing you at a young age that she is not into dolls and fashion, but instead space, chemistry, dinosaurs, robots, and even art? I'm Erica Wagner of Science Her Way. My YouTube channel is a resource for minority girls interested in STEAM and STEM. It contains product reviews, STEAM and STEM games, and art. I need your help. I have a GoFundMe campaign to help me upgrade my equipment, take some online courses on 2D and 3D programs, market my shirt designs, and my books. Go to my campaign at www.gofundme.com slash scienceherway. Help me show girls all over the world that there are girls just like them who love Steam and Stam and is a teenpreneur. Thank you for any donation, big or small. Once again, go to www.gofundme.com slash scienceherway. I'll see you in the next dimension. Alrighty, before we take that on, let me just make a point. The we're not doing, I'm not doing Wheelin' Wednesday, this Wednesday, because I have a special guest, and that is the 100th episode, and I'd rather do a, re a regular, in quotations, a regular episode as that, you know, as the 100th episode, because I started this on that, and I want to get to the 100th on that. Maybe I'll make, if Wheelin' Wednesday is the 200th, 
maybe I'll make it to 200. I don't know. But the racing news is kind of just like spitfire news. I'm not like, I don't ramble a lot about that. So yeah, not doing Will and Wednesday this weekend. That or this Wednesday, that is the hundredth episode. Got a guest. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Will and Wednesday will come next Wednesday, and I'll probably record. Wheel and Wednesday, the same Wednesday I'm uploading that, but I'll upload it next Wednesday, which means that the Wednesday after the Wheel and Wednesday goes up is going to be another one, because I gotta balance out the schedule. The Bugatti Chiron Recall! Bugatti has announced a, a recall of 47 examples of the 1500 Chiron, 1500 horsepower Chiron hypercar, 12 of which reside in the US. In what is just the latest example of high price exotics not being immune to recalls, Bugatti recently informed the National Highway Traffic Safety National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or the NHTSA, that a number of Chirons have faulty welds in the rear, no, in the front seat recliner brackets. They, the Chiron doesn't have rear seats. The French automaker says it has notifi notified all the affected owners and will transport each Chiron via enclosed truck to the most convenient Bugatti dealerships for, for inspections. If inspections reveal faulty weld, Bugatti will replace the entire seating assembly. Although deliveries of the Chiron commenced quite some time ago, the road is far from over for the car. Bugatti is widely expecting to announce the Chiron's top speed sometime in 2018, but it remains to be seen if it will top the 277.9 mile per hour top speed, top speed record recently set by the Koenigsegg Aguera RS. I wouldn't be surprised if they could do it, I just want to know by how much. Doritos Car Pack brings SUVs and classics to Forza Motorsport 7, including the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Why Doritos? That's all I want to know. Why Doritos? For to build electric crossover in Mexico rather than the U.S. Revised 2018 Audi TT2 proves that rally lights go with everything. Yeah, and I want a Viper with rally lights. That's what I want. <laughs> Blackberry, somehow still around, wants to make autonomous and connected cars more secure. So does everyone who would get into an autonomous car. Skoda Kodiak's UK range gets sportier with uh, the, the Sportline. Edition. So yeah, and it, no, it's not like a VRS. It's not that cool. Honda has fired its F1 engine boss and split his job in two. And let's get real. Let's get real for three minutes. They should have done that. Probably the first four races that they kept that they DNF. Apparently, it was his fault. Should have fired him in the first four races, rather than make the saga drag on for an entire year. For one year of just misery. I mean, they hardly even finished some races, let alone finished well. Ford to partner with Alibaba to sell cars online in China. Lyft and Newtonomy launch robo-taxi service in Boston. IndyCar A-listers confirmed for 2018 Race of Champions. Road Going Jaguar I-Pace launching at a Geneva Motor Show. Faraday Future loses chief designer Richard Kim. Looks like Faraday Future is about two ways, how does it say, like two ways from Sunday or something else? They're, they're very, they're on a knife's edge right now. They're very nearly on the chopping block. Former Volkswagen exec executive sentenced to seven years in prison. Dieselgate, man, takes no prisoners. <laughs> Delphi changes name to Aptiv and wants to dramatically cut autonomous tech costs. Genesis G70 makes its Middle East debut at the Dubai Motor Show. Transportation is now the number one contributor to CO2 emissions in the U.S., and that's a lie. Cows are. Not kidding. Watch what the hell. It's cows. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed. Now, I'll see you all this Wednesday for the 100th special. Woo!
You've just listened to Cody's Car Conundrum. Be sure to join us every Sunday. You can subscribe to Cody's YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash C slash ViperForLifeACR. Be sure to get Cody's books on Amazon at www.amazon.com slash Cody dash Wagner slash E slash capital B zero one nine capital K capital X seven two capital Z eight. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Be sure to follow Cody here so you don't miss any episodes. Bye until next time.